It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, October 31st, 2013. We are glad that you're listening to us tonight, and we look forward to hearing from you at 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. And in the chat room, if you're watching us on the live feed tonight at collegeview.com. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. We're actually just glad to be getting out tonight. I'm, I'm sort of amazed. Yeah, we've had major, major changes at the virtual Bible study this week. Um, our longtime service provider, uh, uh, Webcast Fusion, our friend Phil Hunt, who has faithfully provided services for us just forever, uh, yeah. has has closed. In fact, he's closing down tonight. He's closing down his operation, and so we've had to migrate both our website and our streaming services and everything to other providers this week. And uh, so you probably see a, a difference on the website. In fact, well, you obviously do. If you're seeing us at all, you're seeing a difference on the website. Give us some feedback. We're still formatting that thing. And Jacob and I were talking just before we went on the air that. Maybe our widths are not just exactly right on the video screen and some other things that maybe we need to play with. Um, but we do have apparently a, a better compatibility with smartphones and other That's devices. That's a long time coming. Uh, Jared is in the chat room, and he says loving the iOS 7 compatibility. So he's he's listening on, uh, on his iPad, I think. Uh, uh, and Tim is on iPad and iPhone. I could get either chat room or audio feed, but now both at the same time. Had to go to the laptop for both, but that was the case before. Oh, so he's he can do either he's the better. chat room or or the video window, and so he's got two going. He's got his iPad and his iPhone both going, so he can right. do both things yeah. at once. So uh, uh, I think we've got. I think we've made some improvements. Yes, the, uh, the, it does appear the uh, the website is still real fundamental. We'll try to add new content as we have a little more time and, and a little less stress uh, in the coming weeks. But uh, I think we're getting out. And uh, I and thank you to you for all the hard work. I was I was amazed. Well, you know, it's like getting, a blind was, man. You know, it's like you know you know the old saying: even a blind hog finds an acorn well, once in a while. Yeah, well. So. I, you, I, you know, I was waiting for the emergency. This isn't working, call, and it never came. So it was great. All right. So, uh, again, give us some feedback. If you see something that we, we can tweak there that will help you, let us know. If, if, if the video window width or the chat room width or something like that is not uh, is not working good on your device, uh, you can let us know and we can see what we can do about that. We can't promise, but we'll see what we can do. All right. And uh, we'd like uh, you to let us know if you've got any suggestions, any feedback on that. And then we'd also like you to comment uh, right now on uh, some listener questions tonight and some very interesting ones. Yeah, uh, we, we haven't done this in quite a while, we, and, but we enjoy this kind of a program where we just go to a bunch of listener questions that have come in. None of them seems like they would serve as a subject for a whole a program, so we kind of save them up and throw them all in the pot right. on one of these uh, listener uh, question nights. We've got 
uh, questions from four regular listeners tonight. The first one comes from Jared. He's in the chat room, and he asks, what do you think about the idea that some are promoting that says God needs us? For instance, here's a quote from Max Lucado. Quote, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. If he had a wallet, your photo would be in it. He sends you flowers every spring and a sunrise every morning. Face it, friend. He's crazy about you. All right. What about that whole whole notion? We're going to get to that. I, I was sort of surprised the refrigerator with your pic, your picture on it. That'd be, that's well, I don't even think God has a refrigerator. But I don't think he needs one. Yeah. Uh, then a, a question from Clay. Uh, we're going to, I'm, I'm going to read all these, and then we'll go back and start over. Uh, Clay says, in light of the biblical teaching on submitting to the government, is it a sin to celebrate July 4th? the day our nation violated those teachings. That is interesting. Kind of interesting. I hadn't really thought about it, but yep. we've got something to discuss there. From Wade, he's got two questions. First, I'm a father of three girls. I have often struggled on how as a father to teach them to pray. I understand Paul's teaching in 1 Timothy 2.12, quote, I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. My wife allows them to lead prayer at the table when I am not there, but I have difficulty allowing them to lead when I am present. So mm-hmm. daughters and teaching them to pray is the first part of his question. But then he asks us a follow-up. In light of that passage, what's your view on women taking a leading role in the workplace, such okay. as a manager or a team leader or even an educator? Okay. I think that's a worthy question. And we're going to look at that. I'm interested in those, yes. And then from Lance, the Bible teaches that Jesus died for our sins, past, present, future. Why then does the Bible say God will not forgive us if we have unforgiveness that we harbor? Does it mean our sins are only forgiven in the past until they come up presently or futuristically? I think I understand that question to mean, okay, I am forgiven right now, but you and I have a falling out, Jacob, yeah. and I refuse to forgive you. Yeah. Does that mean that God's going to, uh-oh, go back in the record books, take the take the check mark off all those that he already checked off. Now he's now he's throwing those back on my record. Oh, back in the pot. I think that's the just question. We'll, we'll see. We right. might get some comments Let's along Let's know there. your thoughts there. Remember, you could have had all those questions in your email inbox earlier today to be contemplating. If you are not on our email update list, get on it. Send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Hey, Jacob. Um, yeah. Uh, the On our website. Yes, yes. We have Facebook connectivity uh-huh. and Twitter connectivity. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter just clicking on the little, the little icons, icons at the top of the page. Aren't you something? What about that? Yeah, I'm pretty impressed. What are they saying in the chat room? Uh, Jared, yeah, Jared's happy. getting audio and video on the iPad. Uh, okay. uh, Jacob, I have video and audio. Randy, Randy's been having problems. He couldn't connect with us uh, for the last several weeks. Yeah. Uh, and it uh, looks like it's working. Okay. All right. Good, Good deal. Good. All, All right. right. And Monty is behind the controls tonight. We should introduce Monty because, Monty, you're going to have to participate here heavily tonight. Thank you, Monty, for coming to the program. Thank you for asking me. It's We're a pleasure. Glad to have you here. Dude, Monty's been pulling yeoman's duty uh, in the last several weeks. He's ha- he's had to be here almost every week. For, uh, this is the third week and fourth week in a row. Is it the fourth week in a row, Monty? I didn't know I'd done that to you. I'm sorry. It's not a done to me thing. Okay. Well, <laughs> thank you for helping out. All right, let's go to this first hey, question. And I got bad news. Next week's going to be number five. <laughs> I'm available for uh, your service. Uh, okay. All right. Let's let's go to this first question. The idea that God needs us. And then I got to read that quote from Max Lucado Yeah, one read more that time. one more time. Max Lucado says, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. 
If he had a wallet, your photo would be in it. He sends you flowers every spring and a sunrise every morning. Face it, friend. He is crazy about you. I know, this, that gives me a funny feeling. Yeah. I, I, I meant to, and I didn't get it done. I meant to pull up a, a song that we sing. Uh, and I can't even remember the title of it. Maybe somebody in the chat room will remember the title of it. God has no hands but our hands. Yes. He has no lips but our lips. He has no feet but our feet. To t- Basically to take the gospel to the lost world. Yeah. Uh, I want to start the discussion out by acknowledging that there is a sense in which God has chosen to use us in ways to accomplish his purposes. Okay. I agree with that. Uh, you know, uh, e- even in Romans chapter 10. Uh, Paul asks the question in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, beginning, he says, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, and and then also in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, at verse 21, it says, For after that in the wisdom of God, right. the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believed. Yes. And so I want to acknowledge there is a sense that God has chosen to use us. And in his plan, we have a, a role. I'm not sure that's what the uh, – that I don't think that's what these folks mean when they when they are suggesting God needs us. That, that he loves us, that he's crazy about us. Well, he does love us. We can't deny that. John 3.16, Monty, would tell us that God does love us. I mean, you, if you're going to argue with that, uh, then you're going to argue with very simple teachings in the Bible. But uh, this seems to be taking it in a little bit different direction. Well, you could say that God, in some, but he must love us an awful lot, or he wouldn't have sent Jesus to die on the cross for us. Because I like you guys real well, but I'm not sure I'd send my son off to be tortured and killed for you i mean i i would like to think maybe i would but realistically you know i don't know that that's the case i know what you're saying so god does love us an awful lot but as far as the idea of needing us like you said greg he did choose to have men be his servants to spread the gospel and and teach people so that they wouldn't have to be lost but he could have done it any way he wanted to that's just the way he chose to do so that doesn't mean he needs me individually personally as much as he chose to use mankind as a whole to do that so i don't i don't think god actually needs me personally for anything yeah i i have made the point before and i I believe it's true if you ever get to thinking that god needs you or needs any of us consider the fact that before an eternity before the world began god existed without mortal human beings to do anything for him and after this world ends, he'll continue to exist for an eternity without mortal human beings to do anything for him. He doesn't need what we have to offer. Right. And so uh, I really think the idea that is being suggested by that Max Lucado quote and some of the other things that are, are being discussed out there is the they tr- I think they're trying to convey the idea that God is just like a doting grandfather. You know, I'm a grandfather and my grandchildren are extra special. They do no wrong. You know? Yeah. Uh, even if they took a crayon and marked all over the wall and spilled their milk down inside the, the cushions of the couch, they'd yeah. still, they'd still special to me. You know, they did, you know, you may have, you're the father, you may have to yeah. do something, but yeah. I'm the grandfather. I'm telling you, I'm yeah. crazy about them yeah. and they do no wrong. Yeah. I get that. I get the idea that that's what they're suggesting in these quotes, that God looks at us like that. And I think that's a mistaken view of God. 
Yeah, I think so too. Um, I, I think I think it puts the emphasis of God's love on the wrong thing. It puts the emphasis of God's love on the object rather than on the one who is doing the loving. I think the emphasis about God's love for us is not that we're so great and that and that that we're so special and that we ought to be on in the wallet and on the refrigerator, but the emphasis is on that God could love us. That's shows what's us, amazing. That's the amazing thing. It's not that, that there's any value. In fact, God should, loves us in spite of us, right. not yeah. because yeah. of us. Right. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like the guy who has the ugly dog and he still loves it. You're thinking, how in the world can he love that thing? You know, I mean, that's, that's I, I think, the emphasis of the scripture. Yeah, and we're worse about. than the, the ugly dog. Right. You know, the, the I, I have run into this a lot, and, and maybe this is just a different manifestation of this idea that the idea we're special, you know, God really values us because I, he sent his son to die for us. I'm so special. Look how wonderful I am. I'm so wonderful that God sent his son to die for me. Well, that is a complete perversion of the notion. So. The, the The point is, I am so awful. I am so miserable. I'm so wretched. God had to send his son to die for me because that's the only hope I could have. Right. It's not that I was so wonderful and Jesus died for me. It was that I was so terrible that Jesus had to die for me. Right. Romans chapter 5 tells us about uh, you know how how amazing it is that God could love us while we were still sinners and uh, and send his son to die for us. So yeah. I think it is I think it's a twisting. Now, certainly we ha- we can't argue again that God does love us and uh, and he does bless us. He sends us flowers every spring and sunrise every morning, but but it's but not because I'm special. It's not because I deserve it or I'm special and, and he's crazy about me because I'm just so amazing. Wonderful. Yeah. It's the amazing one is him, okay. that he sends us the flowers, that he sends us the sunrise. Okay. Um, look, and, look for your thoughts in the chat room. Uh, Henry, yes. Yeah, that's uh, Randy. And Randy. Swartz, that's Swartz, Randy in Swartz Creek, Michigan. Uh, Randy, thank you for uh, joining us tonight and for your comments. Isaiah 29, verse 16. Surely your turning of things upside down shall be esteemed as the potter's clay. For shall the work say of him that made it, he made me not? Or shall the th- things set, uh, uh, framed say of him that framed it, he had no understanding? In other words, the, the idea of that past that that's a well-known quote in Isaiah 29 is that uh, we're his creation. Mm-hmm. He's the creator. He's the he's the one, not us. We don't have any right to question him or or anything else. He created us. It's not about us. It's about him. All right. He also mentions Isaiah 64 verse 8. But now, O Lord, thou art our Father. We are the clay. Thou art our Thou are our potter, and we are the work of thy hand. And again, I think that's the idea of humility here. Uh, quite the opposite of what uh, those of the and and, he, and R- Randy summarizes his own summary. There is God is the creator, and mankind is the created. Yes, God loves us, but we were we were created for Him. I think that's the key. What's our purpose here? Our purpose is not for self. Our purpose is to bring glory to the Creator. Okay. That's what we're here for. All right. Let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. Can we mark that one off? We I think we can. Yeah. All right. We're going to go on and take a break. And when we get back, we have an interesting question tonight. What about the 4th Ju- of July? No, <laughs> that's sort of the wrong time of year to be thinking about it, but it is interesting to think about. It. And it was when this the question was posed to me, I thought, well, you know, there's something I hadn't thought about before. So. We want to hear about it uh, from you tonight. In light of the biblical teaching on submitting to the government, is it a sin to celebrate the 4th of July, the day our nation violated those teachings? Well, we need to talk about the and, fact. And uh, let, me, let me throw in sort of an addendum to that question. Okay. If you lived back in those times, if you lived in 1776, could you have fought in the Revolutionary Army? Right. And did 
the United or did the colonies on the Fourth of July violate? We need to, that. We need to start off with that. We can't assume the fact they did. Did they violate the teachings of Scripture? Yep. Let us know about that. Do you want to hear this discussion? Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. Do you remember when the pulpit was used for the purpose of convicting sinners and teaching them how to be saved? Are you tired of preachers who seem much more inclined to entertain their audience than to teach the truth? Does it seem the sermons you are hearing each week could have easily be given at a PTA meeting or a social club? Do you remember when sin was called sin and at the end of the sermon you knew by book, chapter, and verse what the preacher was talking about and why? The College View Church is still preaching the old Jerusalem gospel that you read about in your Bible. They invite you to investigate for yourself. Come and see. Visit the College View Church of Christ. Here's some quotes worth pondering. The smallest deed is better than the greatest intention. Abraham Lincoln said, I do not like that man. I must get to know him better. Edmund Burke said, The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Man, wish I'd said that. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. Hey, we're back on the program tonight, and we appreciate you for joining us, and we look forward to hearing from you as we talk about a question from Clay. Uh, in light of the biblical teaching on submitting to the government, is it a sin to celebrate the 4th of July, the day our nation violated those teachings? Interesting, Monty. You may not be. Uh, you may have to cut back on those sparklers. Monty, Monty you're a patriot. Uh, you're, a, you're a gun guy. Uh, you're a uh, um, Bill of Rights advocate. You, you, you're a constitutionalist. I'm putting you back there in the days when they were doing all that stuff. Could you fight in the Revolutionary Army? I'm not really sure. <laughs> oh, I'm not trying to cop out. Well, it should go back and read the Declaration writer. of Independence and things like that. They yeah. took the position that the King of England had basically given up his right to rule because of the grievances they had against him and the processes they'd gone through to try to address those grievances and get them corrected and that because he had more or less abdicated his position that they were within their rights to set up their own form of government. So back then, dependent, I'm not firmly convinced one way or the other, I for a good while tended to believe that I would have been wrong if I was in that time frame to fall in the Revolutionary Army. Um, I'm not as sure about that anymore. On the, to err on the side of safety, you would have had, about had to have abstained okay. from it. Uh, uh, so Monty says maybe. I'm, I'm going to be Let's more hear it definite. In the chat room. Let's hear it in the chat room. Yeah, you get in the chat room. Tell okay. us what you think. All right, what do you got? I, I'm going to I'm going to be a little more positive than money. I'm going to say we couldn't. And I'm, here's the reason: I, I agree that that the the English government and the King of England had certainly been abusive to the colonists and and so forth. Uh, but you got to compare that to the Roman government in the time of Christ. Okay. They were very uh, what do I want to say? Uh, brutal. They were brutal. They were oppressive. I guess oppressive is the word I was looking for. They were oppressive of their citizens, uh, okay. uh, and not not so much their citizens, but the people that they oversaw. Uh, and yet Jesus taught submission. Okay. Uh, he he. Jesus was not a social reformer. He was not a political reformer. He didn't try to change the system. He taught his 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 disciples to live within the system. Mm-hmm. And even even in the words of the inspired apostles, uh, we were taught to be submissive. In Romans chapter 13, I think that's the, the passage that comes to everybody's mind. In Romans chapter 13, 
Paul was writing to Romans about and and the government he was talking about was the Roman government. Let every soul be subject to the higher powers, for there's no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Yes. Uh, he said, whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. Now, they were oppressive, uh, the people that uh, the governments that Paul was talking about there. Second, First Peter chapter 2. Uh, verse is that where you're headed? Yeah, go ahead. First Peter chapter two, verse thirteen. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be the king is supreme, or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. So is the will of God that you may, with, uh, with well doing, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. God told the the people who were living under oppressive governments at that time. Dare I say, much more oppressive than the British government would have been. Uh, in 1776, uh, he told well, 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 you, you think about you think about what the colonists primarily had against the King of England. Of course, the, the well, they were taxing the, the battle cry. Money. Yeah, the battle cry <laughs> was no taxation without representation. Yeah. You know, uh, they, they were they were really they were really ill about the taxation. Well, Rome was taxing people heavily too. Uh, so I I got to say I would, and I don't I don't. <laughs> we'll get to the, the part about here we are, now we are free men because of what they did. We enjoy the benefits of their rebellion. But I'd have to say, I think, for me at least, in, in that time, I think I would have had to be a loyalist to the king. I, I think the Bible teaches me to be submissive. Now, the only, I, the, the only way, the only Bible principle I know wherein we can withstand the government we can violate their instructions yes. is when when their instructions put us at contradiction with god's law uh acts 529 we ought to obey god rather than men so if the government starts telling us to do things that would violate god's will we have to obey god doing things having us do things that violate god's will but if they're doing things that violate god's will we're still told to be in subjection that's right if they're in, in other words so they, they, yeah, taxation no, without representation for them to do that that may be a violation of god's will that's oppression it's oppression but it doesn't change the fact that we're to be in submission. It would yeah. be hard to find a government that was more abusive toward God's will than the Roman government was. Right. Yeah. And right. Paul in the Bible teaches us that we're supposed to have obeyed them. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's a good. I think that's a good um, explanation, distinction there, Jay. They were viola- the Roman government was violating God's law. Yeah. But disciples were st- told to still be submissive to them, so long as the disciples weren't being obligated. To personally break God's law right. in the process. Right. So uh, now, now, okay. Haven't said we didn't get any comment in the chat room. Give us, uh, give yeah, us feedback. Okay, yeah, all you chat yeah. room people. We got are, some fence riders in the chat room. Are you, here uh, too. Yeah, for everybody in the chat room, just say loyalist or revolutionary. Uh, we'll know what you're talking about. We want to do a little poll there in the chat room. Tell us, would you have been a loyalist to the king, or would you have fought in Washington's revolutionary army? And uh, so far, there would be no Paul Revere's in the chat room because they're all asleep. Yeah, they're not, they're not sound in the morning. <laughs> no. Uh, okay, now, th- that takes us to the follow-up question. All right, so here we are today, and we are we are the uh, beneficiaries okay. of that rebellion. Yeah. In other words, we live in, I, I, I think, with, I don't believe it can be effectively argued, we be, live in the, be, the best place mm-hmm. in the best time in history. And a lot of it's due to... What those guys did, you know, I've I've watched some documentaries and stuff about the the hardships and the and the incredible uh, awfulness that they had to endure mm-hmm. in fighting that revolutionary war. Uh, it was pretty amazing, 
They did it, and, and, and here we are. Yeah. And and we, we, we get to do what we do because what they did. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's really a tough thing. We, we're grateful that we have these liberties, but we think they did wrong to provide them to us. Yeah. That's a real contradiction. All right. How are you going to resolve it? Henry in the chat. Well, we got Sarah and Henry. Uh, oh, Henry and uh, Randy and Sarah are loyal to the king. And, uh, well, Jared says he's loyal to the he king. He was going to say, Viva la Revolution. Okay. Uh, you know, when, when uh, I, I made some trips to Cuba, that's on that's that's painted on every concrete block wall in Cuba. Viva la Revolution. Uh, <laughs> they, they love the revolution. But uh, – I, I think we're so far we, we've got takers and all the takers are loyalists. All right. Uh, okay. uh, um, but the but the question that came from Clay was, what about us now? Yeah. I mean, we're not, we're not given the choice to fight in the revolution or not. Obviously, that's long since passed. Yeah. Um, sh- but can we celebrate the revolution? Can we celebrate on July Fourth? You know, Independence Day. What do you think? Well. You know, I, I don't know. I think you could probably celebrate in certain ways, but I think you might want to temper your celebration to some extent because of what it is that it does represent. Well, I, you know, I, I think you can't judge what everybody's celebrating. You know, right, right. We, we, we can celebrate that our freedom. We can celebrate our country. Right. You know, every country came about somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we're not necessarily saying it came. I don't think that the, the fact that you would celebrate our country and, and be thankful for the fact that we live in such a free place necessarily means that we sign off on everything that everybody did to get us where yeah. we are today. We're not signing off on everything that the government does today and is saying that exactly. it's all wonderful and they can't do any wrong. Yeah. That's not the issue. The issue, I think, is this is the government that, that we that we have. There's no reason I don't think that we can't celebrate that we do have these freedoms and under this present government. Because when you think about it, the Roman government that they was told to submit to overthrew somebody, the Greek government, basically. They devolved out of it, which devolved out of the Syrians and the Babylonians. As we study the Old Testament, we know that's how it happened So, in, in history. So all of them came from somewhere and had to overthrow, in one way or another, the government before them. But that doesn't change the fact that they're the ones in charge now, and they have to be obeyed. Okay. But it might be – it is good, uh, I guess, to pause and uh, to realize that uh, maybe we can get overtaken with some of the, the patriotic uh, tones. And uh, maybe I, I think Monty's point's a good right. one. You know, they were told to be subject to Rome. Rome got to be Rome because they rebelled against somebody centuries before that. Right. And, you know, yeah. so it, we're not – I mean – we we have no control over actually we have no control over what was done there right and and we can teach and we should teach to be submissive to government but but i think it's still within bounds to be thankful for the country we live in and the freedoms that we enjoy on right. independence day right i i think i can do that without in my heart at least without saying i honor would have been a rebel. rebellion right yeah. okay well you know, there's there's maybe something else to think about here, Monty. We live in the South. Uh, what about uh, flying the rebel flag? In my opinion, that's more of just a, a thing people did remember history or whatever like that. Um, a lot of people get too carried away with that even, I think, and are promoting rebellion. Uh, yeah. A lot of people fly it because they've got a racist attitude, and if that's the reason they're doing it, I believe they're wrong on that because at least as recently as Noah, we were all the same. Yeah. 
We know we all descended from Adam. That was refined again at the flood to be descended through Noah. So they, we need to get over. If people still have a racist attitude and they're displaying the rebel flag for that, they need to get over that attitude. And, right. you know, and, 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 and I agree. With you. you know, some people say when they fly the rebel flag here in the South, they're doing it for history. I, I, I'm not going to judge their, their motives necessarily about that, but one thing that they, needs to be taken into account is it's offensive. You know, and as Christians, you know, give no offense. Right. So, you know, I, I don't. It's need, not something that we have to do. We don't have to do that, and we know that it offends some people if we do. So that would be a kind of thing I think Christians would clearly sure. steer sure. off. Sure, I agree with that. I agree with that. Uh, Jack is in the chat room. Jack's down in in Georgia tonight in the Atlanta area. He says he's watching the on his iPhone, but. Now, I can't do anything about this for you guys. He he is experiencing the same problem. He, he can't be in the chat room and watch at the same time. Yeah. Okay, that's just your that, that's just your burden, you guys, on those that's smartphones. That's right, your technology we, we, there. That's your technology. Yeah. Uh, Come on. T- talk, talk to Apple and see if they can't make that better for, for you. For crying we, out loud, you got a phone you can watch video on, you know? <laughs> Come on. Don't be complaining here. But, uh, this is I, space age technology, isn't it, Monty? Monty, yeah. you used to have to crank your phone, didn't you? I have used one of those. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I do think, and I, I think we're getting a little bit of feedback here, that... Um, we are. We have some new compatibilities that we didn't have before. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. All right. When we get back, we're going to get to Wade's question about, uh, and this is interesting because Wade has asked me this question in person. What about how do you teach your your, your daughters uh, to uh, to pray? Yeah. Hey. Hey. By the way, Jacob, something we didn't say. We we because of the changes we made. If you're emailing us, you need to email to vbsquestions at gmail dot com. That's why you didn't get any feedback. I wonder about that. I wonder. I wonder about that. Yeah. So uh, if you if you're if you're emailing us, use vbsquestions at email dot com. All right, we're going to take a break and we'll get this week's bullet point. We come back. Wade's question about women and the workplace and teaching your daughters to pray. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 reads, Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. There's been much discussion and confusion over the meaning of this difficult passage. While there are many possible explanations as to the meaning of these words, a good number of them fail because they contradict other clear passages of Scripture. For instance, this cannot be teaching that women must bear children in order to enter heaven. If such were the case, many women would be damned because of their inability to conceive. Add to this Paul's own admonition that under certain situations it's better for a woman to remain unmarried, as he wrote in 1 Corinthians 7, beginning verse 25. From this, we see that this verse simply cannot be implying that women must physically bear children to be saved. Neither does this context suggest that women are to be spared physical travail in childbirth if they are faithful in service to the Lord. The pain of the birth process is that which has naturally come upon women ever since Eve. Read Genesis 3, verse 16. So again, this cannot be the intended meaning. The accurate view of this verse must be gained by first carefully considering the context in verses 9 through 15. Here Paul has addressed the proper role of godly women. Theirs is not to be in a position of authority over men, but rather they are to be in subjection. Verses 11 and 12. 
Nevertheless, Paul concludes the thought by assuring the women that they can be saved in heaven just as surely as men if they will properly view their role and fulfill it to the best of their ability. The term childbearing here means then not the physical act, but rather all of the many things that go into making a woman a wife, a mother, and a keeper at home. Titus 2 verse 5. While the woman will never be able to preach the gospel, serve as an elder or deacon, or perform many of the other jobs that fall to the man, she can nonetheless rest assured that she may please God by carefully applying herself to the very important task God has given her. Galatians chapter 3 verse 8 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Roger Toomes, and me and my wife love to listen to the virtual Bible study on Thursday nights. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight. We welcome you back, and we appreciate you for joining us on the virtual Bible study. We remind you this program is brought to you by the College U Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our new and improved website, state-of-the-art, collegeview.com. I don't know if it's new and improved. It is new. It is new, and you can tell us if it's improved. Yeah, uh, it is different, that's for sure. (laughs) It's new and different. New and different, and uh, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And you can find out information on podcasting, recent programs, and also, can you you have it up there on how we can podcast sermons? Do you get that up? Not not sermons. I don't have the podcast. It will be up there, and we're going to probably add a link to the sermons from the website now, too. We can do that. Okay. You can do that. I'll, I'll, I'll help you with that one. Okay. All right. All right. And so uh, check it out and uh, stay tuned there, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And uh, you've got links to the Facebook and Twitter feeds there as well. You can check out those on the, the new and different website, and we're looking forward to hearing your comments on it. We're talking about various listener questions on the, the program tonight. Wade's up next with his question. Wade's got girls, and he wants to know about how to teach them to pray. And you've got chat room stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, John Duvall's in there. He's he's the techie. Uh, John Duvall of the scripturalway.org. Is that, uh, is That's that? it. That's scripturalway.org. Scripturalway.org. Scripturalway.org uh, on his, for his Tuesday night program. He's in the chat. He's he's a real techie. He knows all this stuff. I should have been talking. He should have come over here and fixed this thing he, he for He wouldn't us. have even broken a sweat. No, he wouldn't have. No. That's right. Okay. Um, okay, so we're going to this question. Let's get back to our study Wade, here. Wade, Wade, Wade. Wade, I'm yeah. a father of three girls. I've often struggled on how as a father to teach them to pray. I understand Paul's teaching in 1 Timothy 2, 12, which says, I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. My wife allows them to lead prayer at the table when I'm not there, but I have difficulty allowing them to lead when I am present. What do you okay. think? Okay. That's, well, that's certainly. That's an interesting question. Now, say 1 Timothy I, I, 2, verse 12 is very it, clear. It, it, it's interesting. I think he's. I think Wade has actually identified two things he needs to be teaching. He needs to teach his daughter to be submissive to men. Yes. That's 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 the God-given order. Mm-hmm. And so one of the principles that has to be taught is submission. Mm-hmm. Uh for women as they grow as these girls grow to 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 womanhood, they need to learn the the order God has ordained. And so that's a principle that has to be taught. Now, if he if Maybe by the virtue of the fact that he doesn't allow them to lead prayers when he's present, he's that's one of the ways he's teaching that concept. And I would I would commend Wade for that because in the society we live in, it is it is more important than ever and more difficult than ever to teach uh, our young girls uh, their position, wouldn't you say, Monty? Because the society we live in is going to tell them all the time there's no distinction. 
Well, quite often the society that we live in would try to even promote that maybe the woman is in a superior position to man nowadays. Right. But it, at least it would say that they were equal and that she didn't have to be in submission. So it, it's good that we we need to teach our daughters that the, their proper place that God has put in order, not that it's because we as men decided it should be that way, but God decided this is how it should be, and we need, it's our obligation to teach our families to serve God properly. All right. Now, now here's the other part of the question. So, here, so teaching girls the proper order of things is one. But we need to teach our girls how to pray too. Yes. Well, here's what I think about that. Teach you can teach them to pray. I mean, you can teach the principles of prayer without them. If Wade has a conscience about them leading prayers when he's present, if he feels like them leading prayers when he's present is a violation of First Timothy two twelve, then he shouldn't do it. First of all, even if, if it's just his conscience in the matter, he shouldn't do it. Right. But that wouldn't preclude him from teaching them how to pray. Right. He's teaching them how to pray when he prays in their presence. Right. In other words, if he's leading the prayer, he's still teaching them how to pray. Right. So that they can pray in private. They can pray when they're with other uh, with their mother and so forth without right. violating the principle that he has a conscience about. Right. Uh I'd be interested on some feedback. Do you think that it would necessarily would be a violation of 1 Timothy 2.12? If your daughter prayed in your presence as okay. a father, that would be an interesting question. But certainly the, the safe course is the one that, that Wade has has taken. In other words, uh, don't let them pray when he's present. But he can still teach them how to pray. That's not right. going to keep him from teaching them how to pray. He is teaching them how to pray by praying. Okay. All right. Well, he's also said that his wife allowed them to pray when he, you know, at appropriate times when he wasn't present. So. He's led by example on teaching his family how to pray. His wife is also setting forth that example and teaching them how to pray. So it appears to me in his household he's getting that job done. Right. Yeah, I right. think so. I think he's doing both things. I don't, uh, you know, it, so it doesn't have to be. It, it doesn't have to be either or. I, I, I think, think that's what. Yeah, that's important. And a lot of these dilemmas that we get ourselves in, we feel like we're uh, pressured to compromise when there's no, ne- no there's no reason why you would have to compromise it's yeah. not a, a lot of things aren't in either or just don't do it yeah if it's you know so yeah yeah oh. all right now um what we got we got a couple we got a little bit further time to go further so again give us some feedback if you're in the chat room let us know what you think would you do you, do you let your daughters pray if you are a man with daughters do you let them pray when you're present do you think it's a do you think that's a specific violation of first Timothy 2 12. That's the interesting question. Now, let's read that verse again and then go to the second part of Wade's question. First okay. Timothy 2.12. He says, uh, the, the, the New American Standard Version reads, I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. Mm-hmm. Now, he says, in light of this passage, what is your view on women taking a leading role in the workplace, such as a manager or team leader or even an educator? What do you think? I've got a problem with it. And... Uh, I, I'm I'm probably in the minority on that. I know I'm in in the society that we live in. I may be in the minority of that in uh, those who claim to be Christians, but I believe that uh, we are uh, that we have a principle here. Okay, so you're saying you wouldn't want your wife or daughter to be uh, in a in a place in a position of leadership where they had to be in leadership. I I got to tell you, I agree with that conclusion. I think it's really politically unpopular in our day. But we've got to ask the reason. Why, why, why do we think it's okay for women to be a boss or a supervisor in the workplace? On what biblical basis do we think that's okay? We think it's okay culturally because that's certainly very common. Yeah. Uh, in, our, in our culture, it happens all the time. Right. 
So we don't have, you know, culturally we're influenced to say it's okay. Of course it's okay. Absolutely it's okay. But can we go to the Bible and sustain that it is the right thing to do? Right. I I just don't see it. Um, I'll give you an argument that sometimes is posed. I give you two Old Testament arguments that are sometimes, but one is is Deborah, the Mm -hmm. judge Deborah. Yes. Uh, I think it's interesting uh, that in the case of Deborah, you know, the other judges were all males. Mm-hmm. And they led armies out to battle. Mm-hmm. Deborah didn't lead the army out to battle. She, in other words, God was speaking through her, uh, but she wasn't leading the men out into battle. Yes, I think I don't know how much of an argument you can prove by that, but there, there, that that is an interesting difference. Yes. The other argument that is made is made from Proverbs chapter thirty-one, where it talks about the virtuous woman. Yes. And, and 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 she seems clearly to have been in, engaged in some kind of enterprise. Yes, she was. Uh, um, she considers the fields and buys it. This is Proverbs thirty-one sixteen. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth hands to the spindle. Her hands hold the distaff. She stretcheth out her hand to the poor. Yea, she stretcheth forth her hand, reacheth forth her hand to the needy. Uh, uh, the, the argument is she was a businesswoman. I guess is is the point that's made. I, I don't think that I don't necessarily think that you could prove from Proverbs thirty one. I might be mistaken, and maybe I'm overlooking some verse there that uh, 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 is in that. But I don't see her being over men. All right, John in the chat room has posed a question. Uh, that uh, does get to the meat of the issue here. Is First uh, Timothy chapter two verse twelve? Does that apply to the function of the local church, or is it a life application applying at school, at work, etc.? Now, John's understanding is that uh, the context go on to verse chapter three verse fifteen of First Timothy would indicate that Paul is speaking of the work of the local church. Um. Well, if uh, my problem with that is if we're going to take verse 12 in 1 Timothy 2 and just apply it when the church is meeting mm-hmm. or, or in the work of the local church, then just a couple verses before that in verse 9 where it talks about women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with braided hair or gold or, or pearl or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Then it goes right into, let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. I suffer not a woman to teach her use of authority over the man, but to be in silence. If verses 11 and 12 about being in subjection and, and not usurping authority over the man only apply in the church, then do the verses that talk about them maintaining modesty only mm-hmm. apply in the church? I don't really see anything in that context, the way I understand it. I don't see anything in that context of the, of the verses that surround that statement that indicate that he's talking exclusively about in the church. Would First uh, Timothy chapter two verse eight, one verse before that, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up hand, holy hands without wrath and doubting. Again, would that be limited to the church? I don't think so. Um, uh, so I, I I know that that that's a worthy question and it's been asked, but my understanding is that I don't see it in the context as being something limited to the church. John says, but the word learn would point towards learning God's word. In verse uh, verse 11 there. Um, maybe. 
maybe that might that might be uh, something to argue on on that side of the of the equation. All right. Uh, and uh, Jack says, I don't let my daughters pray when I'm present as I don't let my wife pray when I'm present. I am teaching them while I pray, as does my wife when I'm gone. No violation of Scripture using this procedure. I think Jack would echo again if there's a, if, that it would be a, definitely the safe route. Yeah. Okay. So well, I don't know that we've solved that question. Um, I, think, I, I think it is God's general rule. That women be in subjection to men. I, I don't see First Timothy chapter two as being exclusively in the church. Uh, if you go over in First Corinthians eleven, uh, he, he's teaching that uh, the general rule. First Corinthians eleven verse three. I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of uh, uh, would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Uh, so that's There's the some- order. Order, yeah. Now that he goes on to to explain some manifestations of our acceptance of that rule, uh, which would include things that we do maybe in assemblies, but I don't think it's exclusively things we do in, in the assemblies. Um, I just think that that is God's rule for women to be in submission to men. You know, we had this question, Jacob. We discussed it at length. Remember when? This goes back to the 2008 election yes, when does. John McCain was the Republican candidate for president mm-hmm. and he chose Sarah Palin as his vice presidential right. uh, uh, running mate. We we debated this question pretty heavily on the virtual Bible study and we had a lot of people who didn't agree with us about it. But how, how can you imagine – let's say that Sarah Palin had become vice president and then by some turn of fate had become president, you know. Arguably the strongest position of power in the world held by a woman. Is that God's plan? I just I can't believe that it is based upon these teachings. John says one more to consider. Chapter 3 addresses elders. Chapter 4, and this is talking about 1 Timothy. Chapter 4 talks about preaching the word to members. Chapter 5 talks about the local church providing for certain widows. Just a general thought to consider. Yeah, but chapter 5, John also talks about the duties of individuals toward their widows. In other words, it's... Uh, it, I take it from what you're saying there, John, that you maybe are picturing the whole epistle of First Timothy to be addressed to the church, where there's both individual instruction and instructions to how things should be done in the church uh, in First Timothy chapter five. I mean, uh, certainly uh, verse eight of First Timothy five says, "If any provide not for his own, especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel." So I I, I don't think you can just Kind of throw a blanket over First Timothy and say he's talking about things in the church. Yeah, I right. think I think he's t- talking about both. Right, right. That would that would uh, show that there is the dual teaching there. Uh, and uh, we do need to make a clarification here as we conclude uh, this part of the program and go on to the next question. We're not saying that women are inferior to men. Oh, no. and that's the that's the problem with the feminist movement uh, today, and that is if. Uh, the, the feminists have taught us that if our roles are not the same, then we are not equal. If, 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 if men and women do not have exactly the same roles, then there is one is deficient and uh, over the other, and that's that's simply not the case. Yeah, I think that's right. You, you know, and, and we believe completely uh, what Paul wrote in Galatians chapter three when he said uh, in verse uh, what is it, verse twenty eight. Galatians 3, I can't get my Bible open to it. 
Galatians 3.28, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither bond nor free, there's neither male nor female, for you all one in Christ Jesus. Absolutely. We, we believe that equality. But there's, you know, different roles. You know, when Monty, Monty's just taking a new job. When Monty takes that, when Monty goes to his job tomorrow, he's got a supervisor over him. Yeah, he's got to submit to that supervisor. The supervisor's not better than. But Monty. the supervisor's not a better human being no. than Monty. Is not more valuable than Monty is. He's just got a different yeah. role. Than Probably Monty more has. valuable to the company. Maybe <laughs> 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 his paycheck might be, but. Uh, uh, but know that the Amani is just as human as the, as the supervisor and uh, just as valuable to God, but has different roles. And uh, but but on the on the flip side of that, Amani is expected to understand his role and to assume that role. And God expects that of Amani uh, on the job. God expects it and requires it of us. Right. We That's all right. have our function to perform, and He expects us to do that. All right. Um, the. Um, and, and John, don't don't apologize for your for, for what you interjected into the discussion. I think it's worthy, so don't don't apologize for that. Um, he, he said so in the chat room. The reason I'm commenting on that, yeah. but uh, you know, I again, I think it's pretty. It's it's culturally unpopular, politically incorrect to suggest that a woman should not take a position of leadership over men in any realm. I'm personally convinced that's the way it is. Uh, I mean, even to the extent I remember. Uh, my daughter Sarah, who was yeah, she's still in the chat room. Uh, when she had a job at McDonald's in high school, after she'd been there for just a little while, they wanted to make her a shift manager. I told her I didn't want her taking that, taking on that role mm-hmm. because I have reservations about this. Okay. So I mean, you got to. I mean, if if you if if you believe it that way, you got to practice it. That That's way. true. You got to be consistent. I have a question in this regard, though, something to think about before we go to our break, is that in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul. Uh, converted Lydia. She was a seller of purple. She was a businesswoman. And it would seem to me, especially in that time frame, that it would, and even today, it'd be very difficult to, for her to have conducted her business without having employed, in some respects, another some men to do maybe some of the burden bearing or whatever would have been necessary. And in that effect, she would have been over them. But you don't see her being rebuked or told she need to change for that. That's so, a, yeah, but Monty, that's a lot of reading between the lines. That's well, a lot of that's a I lot know there's of a lot of what ifs there. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. At the same time, she was a business person. She was in some type of position, authority over somebody in it. Yeah, most likely. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, it's, it's possible, but I'm not. I don't think we can base our practice on what may have been. We got to no. be able to prove it. Yeah, and I know you agree with that too. Okay. All right. Let's take a break, and we won't settle that question tonight. But uh, we may. Have and that's to a, that's a question of longstanding, and and good brethren have been batting that back we'll and come, forth on we'll both come sides. Come back and talk about it again in the future. But uh, we got one more question from Lance. Uh, what about uh, Jesus forgiving our sins, but with the caveat that uh, you've got to forgive others? How does that uh, How does that all work together? We'll talk about that on the other side of the break, and then uh, we'll go to the top of the hour. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. Hi, my name is Mike Johnson. I'm a member here at the College of You Church of Christ. Have you ever heard someone say that the members of the Church of Christ are too legalistic? Generally, people say this when we say that we must be careful to follow all the commands that God has given us. When we say, God says we must do this, or God doesn't command us to do that, people respond with, the members of the Church of Christ are too legalistic. Well, while it may be impossible to know exactly what people mean when they make this accusation, if they are accusing us of being legalistic because we say that we should follow all the instructions that God has given us, then that accusation is correct. But let me ask you this. Which of the commands that God has given us should we ignore? Can we pick and choose which commands we follow, or must we follow 
follow them all. Jesus said we have to follow all the commands of God when he said in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? We want to call Jesus our Lord, so we try to follow all the commandments that he has given us. We don't in any way think that following God's commands earns our salvation, but we do think it is necessary to be pleasing to him. Here at the College of You Church of Christ, we're trying to follow every command that God has given us. If, as a result, some people call us legalistic, then so be it. We think it's what God calls being righteous. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. 57% of Americans say they have not read the Bible in the past week, and 33% say they have not attended a church service in the past year. That information is via Christianity Today. Romans chapter 1 verse 21 says, For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. We're back on the program tonight, and you can now use questions at collegeview.com for your email uh-huh. addresses uh-huh. or backup. You already got that I got done? that going, but i got to do a little more work I- on it. I'm we'll gonna, do that I'm after the try program. it. Well, you try it while we talk about uh, Lance's question. Lance has an interesting question, Monty. He wants to know, Bible tells us that Jesus died for our sins, past, present, and future. Why then does the Bible say that God will not forgive us if we have un, if we un, have unforgiveness we harbor? In other words, uh, if we have people we won't forgive, God says he will not forgive us. Does it mean our sins are only forgiven in the past until they come up presently or futuristically? And, uh, yeah, it may be a little bit hard to know exactly where Lance is going with that question, but uh, what about that? So let's say, Monty, uh, that I, I, steal, um, I steal five bucks from you. And, uh, you can then, find it, you can have it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I might earn it if I had that. Uh, I steal five bucks from you, and then I repent of that, and uh, I ask God to forgive me. God forgives me. Then uh, a couple days from now, you do something to me, and I don't forgive you. Does God then now have charged me with the $5 theft that I had been forgiven of. I think that's what Lance is talking about. Yeah, right? that's what I, I think that's right. In other words, I've, I'm a forgiven person. I've been forgiven of lots of things in my past. But now a situation arises where I've got an issue with someone and I won't forgive them. Right. Does that mean that all of those past forgiven sins are are brought back up again? Yeah. In other words, they now... I'm accountable for those again. I had been forgiven of them, but because now I've got this situation where I'm refusing to forgive someone, God's going to say, "Okay, I won't forgive you then. All those are back on your record." Right. You know, I think that's that's the suggestion. I I don't think that's I really don't think that's something we have even have to worry about. I don't think it's so. Well, the but New Testament tells us that when God forgives us, He'll remember them no more. They're, yeah. they're erased. They're wiped away, never to be brought up again. So I don't think that that's really the issue about whatever might have been the status of past sins because they're forgiven and gone. So that's not a that's not a problem. But this not forgiving somebody for something they've done wrong, we're commanded to be a forgiving people. So that they, would be a sin in of itself. Now you got a new when they repented, we're obligated to forgive them. And so the the fact that I'm not forgiving you is a sin, and that's the one that I'm being held accountable for because I'm not and, repenting. And, and the other, you wouldn't need any more. I don't need one, another one. one. That would be enough. enough. Yeah. Uh, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10, this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind, I will write them in their hearts, I will be to them a God, they shall be to me a people, and they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. 
so he's talking about the covenant that we live under, and God says he's not going to remember again our sins. You know? So I do think if a sin is if, – if I have legitimately repented and met the conditions for pardon – Whatever those would have been at whatever point in the past. In other words, I, I, I had to meet certain terms of pardon when I first became a Christian, and I was forgiven of sins that happened before I was a Christian. Since I've been a Christian, I've had to repent and pray for forgiveness on various things that I've done wrong. I don't have to. I don't think I have to worry that anything I do in the future might get those woke up again. Uh-huh. I don't think that's a problem. I'm like okay. money. I, it, if if I'm if I'm refusing to forgive someone that I'm obligated to forgive, that's a sin. Yeah, and that one sin in itself would be enough to send me to hell if I don't get over it. John says no because God has forgiven them. However, the next prayer for forgiveness will not be granted unless we're willing to forgive others. I think that's right. I think that's the way to look at it. All right. So well, that, I, I that think was that, a simple one. I think that one might have been the easiest one of all to deal with. Uh, and, and but it's it's you know. We've talked before, Jacob. Forgiveness is a pretty complicated yes. subject. Yes, uh, it's a, and it's one of the hardest, uh, maybe one of the harder instructions we've been given. Yeah, I think that. I think you're right. Uh, we, we can't we can't pass that off as a real easy thing. It's very sometimes especially challenging to forgive, uh, but we have to do it when the conditions. But this might we got just a minute. This might bring up the question. Do I just have to blanket forgive everybody everything? Monty, you punched me in the nose yesterday, and you haven't acted like you're very sorry about it. I, in fact, I haven't been able to see any repentance on your part at all uh, because I just had to dodge another blow from you. You know, just just a few minutes ago, it looks like you're still aggressive toward me, and you haven't changed your mind or actions. But I'm just going to forgive you anyway. You know that 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 that's the idea. Somehow, I have to forgive. Even if even if you're still continuing the same behavior, I have the answer to that, and it comes from a passage. Well, answers this question, but then it also makes us see how high the bar has been set. Ephesians four verse thirty two: Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. We're called to be forgiving, like God has forgiven us, which is an incredibly high bar. But God has put stipulations on his forgiveness of us. That's right. He he forgives with conditions. And that uh, so if I'm going to forgive like he forgives, that doesn't mean I just blanket forgive. God doesn't just blanket forgive. He forgives when we repent. And that's what we were told to do by Jesus in Luke 17:3. If Jesus said if your brother trespass against thee, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive mm-hmm. him. Any thoughts? Well, when we talk, when we're talking about God sets conditions, and that don't mean that you can set the condition that you're going to forgive me for busting you in the nose if I give you twenty dollars. That's not the kind of condition we're talking about. We're talking about forgiving like God does, and if we're doing it the way God does, we'll forgive when that other person asks for that forgiveness and repents of it. So that's what we have to do toward God is is confess that we've done wrong toward Him and ask for that forgiveness and repent of that sin, and then he's willing to forgive us. And so if I've done something wrong against you, then those same, that same type of condition, I, I need to make repentance of it, I need to correct that sinful situation, and then at that point you're obligated to forgive me. But to say that I'm going to forgive you whether you ask for forgiveness or repent or not is actually saying I'm going to be more righteous than God. And that's not possible to do. And John's brought up the statement from Christ, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He says uh, you know, that's a discussion in of itself, but uh, he says uh, the people were not forgiven until they repented in Acts chapter. That's right. He prayed that God would forgive them, 
And God made that forgiveness available, but it was on those conditions as expressed on, in, on the day of Pentecost when Peter preached on, uh, in Acts 2. I think you're exactly right. All right. So good things to consider, and we are out of time. We're out uh, of time. We had a good uh, set of questions here from our listener. Very uh, challenging questions tonight. Appreciate those. Um, and uh, we're looking for yours to be added to the stack because the stack got shorter tonight. We need to yeah. put some more in it. Yeah, send us your questions. As we said, if the question justifies a whole hour's worth of discussion, we'll do that. Or if we can add it, if it's a, if it's a, a question that can be answered more succinctly, we'll add it to one of these. Uh, we don't do very much of that, but yeah. uh, uh, well, um, John, uh, Randy in the chat room says, "What about Matthew eighteen twenty-two through thirty-five, where Jesus said seventy times seven? We're just forgive that many times." Yeah, we should. We got to forgive over and over again, right? But he uh, also says, "If your brother asks and repents." Yeah, you forgive it, them the 70 times 7. It's not just true. an automatic thing. Uh, in, in that, uh, I was just reading Luke 17, 3. If your brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And so we, we got to keep doing that. As often as he genuinely seeks our, our uh, forgiveness by repenting, we got to keep doing that, even 70 times 7. But it's still on condition. All right. Well, good discussion tonight. Thanks, Jacob. Bonnie, thanks for being here. Appreciate Thank you. It. I enjoyed it. And uh, we appreciate you for joining us on the program. Hope you make pl- plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. Bonnie, I hope you'll make plans to be back here. I plan to be fifth here. Fifth week in a row. And we'll look forward to talking with you then. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.